Hello, and welcome to the Tomb Creepypasta Podcast. Thank you for joining. Tonight's first story is Keep a Diary, by inappropriate name, from creepypasta.fandom.com. Day one. I'm trapped. I don't know where I am. I just woke up here. I don't think there's any way out. I haven't explored this place fully, because it seems to be never-ending. The walls are white and freezing to the touch, but not the air. There are icicles in the ceiling. I can touch them if I stand on my tiptoes. I tried ramming one into the ceiling for a good ten minutes before giving out. I have no food, no sense of time, and no escape plan. If there were any doors, they'd be perfectly camouflaged. I can't tell how far the room extends. I've walked for two hours today, and there was no end in sight. I'm already thirsty, and the ice off the walls is only enough to wet my lips. I'm going to sleep now. I have no idea where this blank book is with me, but I think I'll keep it with me to stay sane. Day 2. I don't even know what day I woke up in. There was a box in the ground. There were a pair of gloves, a perfect winter coat, and earmuffs. I can already feel the air getting colder. Who the fuck is doing this to me? What is going on? I got a bottle of ice water. It's cold enough to freeze up in my throat, but it feels wonderful. I'm hungry now. I'm still searching for an entrance. Nothing. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Getting colder. Going to keep on walking. Day 3. They left more boxes for me. More supplies. Meat. Water. Toilet paper. Pen. I found a thermostat on the wall. And it does nothing but tell the temperature. 42 degrees Fahrenheit. The meat won't be frozen for long. I ate a raw chicken this morning and downed it with some cold water. The boxes have labels, too. KG Enterprises. As for the pen, mine was already starting to run out. How did they know? Day 4. Stayed up all night. The equivalent of night. I saw nobody come. I passed out after a rough couple of hours. There were no boxes. Just a note on the thermostat. Do not wait. Misbehave again and the thermostat will go down. 36 degrees. My ass was freezing, and I was going to have to wait for more boxes. I wrote a message. Thank you so much. Bring more pants and food. Thank you. I won't wait again. We'll update later. Day 5. So fucking cold. 24 degrees. No new boxes. Fucking starving, parched, pleading. I'm yelling at them all day. Nothing. I ate the cardboard. No good. Fucking artificial lights. I think I'm starting to go insane. Get me out. Ass is numb. I'm soaked and freezing. My skin's starting to turn black. Frostbite. Oh god, frostbite. After sleeping, note says not to ask. King will provide. Who's king? I need to sleep. Day 6. Woke up to many boxes. 12 is enough to make me feel sane again. New pants, new wool socks, water, coffee. Coffee is good. They know what I've been asking for in my head, and they provide. But they are some sick fucks. Thermostat still low, though. 
King provided a blanket. Who is this king? I won't try to find out. I even got a cool looking guitar. It's horribly out of tune though. I feel much better, so I'm going to try to escape again. King is watching. Who is King? Won't try to find out. Fucking artificial lights. Day 7. New boxes. Food and water. Thermostat still low. New note. Are you ready? Respond if yes. No idea what it means, but I'm curious. Responded with yes on a note. The icicles are longer. One can touch the ground. Guitar is perfectly tuned. Played Moonlight Sonata tonight with only frozen bread keeping me sitting upright. Fucking lights. Day 8. Woke to almost 50 boxes. Didn't get to open every one yet, but the ones I opened contained sweaters in bulk as well as food, socks, shaving cream, and razors. They're making some sort of workshop in here. Huge pieces of lumber, hammer, and nails. Crude floor plans and a note reading, King will monitor progress. Who's King? Not going to try and find out. Might as well build the house for them as I have all the materials. There's even insulation. Maybe it'll keep away those fucking lights. Day 9. King was not pleased. Cold. Minus 1 degrees. Worked all day. No time to write. Only sleep. We'll work harder, King, I promise. Day 11. Sorry for the absence of an update yesterday. I've worked all day. Built the house. Passed out. I woke up and it was completely furnished. The works. King is provided very generously. Who is he? Won't find out. I can switch the lights on and off now. No fucking lights. The insulation seems to be faulty though. Still minus one Fahrenheit. I brought all the boxes inside. They're disappearing. Played Moonlight Sonata again. I hope they're pleased with my music. Bed is comfy. I'll escape later, I think. Day 12. I found another person named Jamie. I gave her a coat and let her sleep in the bed, but she knows nothing about King. I'm not going to tell her either. She's upset and confused. So I let her rest on it and figure things out. I found her reading a note on the thermostat. King has provided. She must build. I guess she's going to move away. Play guitar for her. Getting really good at it. I will help her. Day 13. We built the house and made another one, which was easier. King wants us to build more. Three more people? No idea. Jamie's nice. I like her a lot. She's a hard worker. She also wants to escape. I'll protect her with my life. I swear. I found more boxes. A lot more. More people to come. Teaching Jamie chords on the guitar. I love Jamie. Day 14. We finished two more houses. The ones we finished yesterday were furnished exactly like mine. Jamie had her own and we shared our belongings. She claimed to have lived in New England, and that's all she remembered. I remember now, too. I lived in California. No new information from King, but more boxes with red wine and donuts. We drank the wine and laughed together. Thermostat's at five. I will protect her from the new people if they are dangerous. I swear. Day 15. We got two new people. Jamie and I helped them feel at home, even though they were still coming to terms with their surroundings. 
dropped off clothing at their houses while they were unconscious. No messages from King. One's a man, the other's a female. He's tall and dark, and she's short and blonde. Jamie thinks King is kidnapping people. I think he's helping them. Who is King? Won't find out. Five degrees warmer. So far, a good day. Day 16. Her name's Carla. She's loud and scared. Screamed a lot today, but after an hour or two, she calmed down and agreed to help us work. Built more houses. Easier with four of us. Mark was quiet when we tried to talk to him. More boxes, and a fucking piano showed. Put in Carla's house. She knows how to play it. We talked to her, and she remembers a dream of getting lifted into the air by something outside the window. Aliens? Won't find out. Not a good hypothesis. Almost finished. Carla seems like a bad worker compared to Mark. No messages from King. And Jamie is getting good at the guitar. Day 17. Today more people arrived. Two were teenagers. The rest were men. One of the teenagers is pregnant. I fear for her. We have no hospitals, nor knowledge of medicine. I have the least knowledge of that stuff of all of us. King will provide, though. I asked Jamie about the dream. She had it too, and so did Mark. But not Carla. We're afraid of it. The thermostat is at 23 degrees. Wasn't sure what it used to be. Day 18. New people are nice. They fit right in. The teenager is cool, and he still recalls his past life. The men are excellent workers. The pregnant woman is sick. New boxes, though. One marked hospital. How the fuck do we build a hospital? It turned out to be only plans for another house, but with different labeling. Icicles are melting. Plenty of food. One of the men plays piano. Jamie is good. I'll protect her, I swear. Day 19. We finally finished the hospital. It took forever. My writing hand hurts. We got more boxes today. Medical supplies, too. Tonight, I'm sleeping with Jamie. She loves me. I will protect her, I swear. Day 20. The hospital is fully operational. Thank you, King. We have beds, IVs, equipment too complicated for any of us to fathom. None of us are doctors. Not much to do today. Quiet day. Jamie and I fucked. Carla and Kyle flirted. Everyone can play an instrument. Although the only song we can play is Moonlight Sonata. Strangely, they don't remember playing an instrument prior to this. Today it is warm, 40 degrees. The meat is thawing, which is good. I saved an icebox to keep meat from going bad, but we have plenty. Greg played Mad Libs with us. I am his father now. I will protect him, I swear. Day 21. We were busy all day. Five more houses to build. Jamie and I are leaders. Kyle gives me nasty glares. And that's rubbing off on Carla. New note. He is your leader now. Neither of them appreciated that. Everyone else is fine. The temperature dropped to 33 degrees. I'm not worried about food anymore. It's cold, but convenient. Mark is my best friend. He starts to remember his past. He lived in Nevada and often went to casinos. Then he remembered things like his kids and his dreams, and how he'll never see his family again. He has the dream, too. He will buy this time for escape. Four more houses to build. Today we found three new people asleep outside, and one is a doctor. He had Western Maine Pediatrics on his shirt. When he woke, he told us his name was Ronald. In the newly furnished house, 
The bedroom wall has a signed painting. The poster says, Roth. Is Roth the king? I won't find out, but it's been haunting me. No idea what it meant. I have more questions than answers. Day 24. Jamie wants me to take the painting down, but I know that King would get mad. One of the newest people talked to us. She says her name is Miranda, and she is beautiful, more than Jamie. I hide my attraction to Miranda well. The question of who Roth and King are keeps bugging me, but I know I won't find out. I will protect Miranda, I swear. Day 25. The new people remember everything. They were from a nice little society. Jamie is doing good. I love her. She is beautiful and I will protect her, I swear. I will forget about Miranda. I am a leader, so I need to be sane. King provides us with the tools necessary for survival. The final new guy, that one I haven't talked about yet, can play Moonlight Sonata and used to play it all the time in his high school band. That's all great, but what's a high school? I need to say sane. Day? Miranda is evil. King puts thoughts in my head. He is bad, destroying sanity. I must stay sane. Minus 30 degrees. Bed sheets freezing. Pregnant woman died. Why? Mark blames me, so I am alone. I am no longer accepted as leader. 39 boxes all gone. Greg isn't dead. Not my son, no. It's been a week of freezing cold. Day? I woke up without Jamie. She loves Mark now. I failed to protect her. Mark has a gun now. I'm going to leave now. Miranda is evil, and King is everything. I know that now. Greg died. All the people were fools to have trusted me. I'm leaving with pockets full of food. Day 32. I don't care anymore. I walked for two hours and the fucking lights caught up to me. I fell asleep. I drank water, and I kept walking. I found a sleeping bag in a box filled with food. I heard some kind of static hum in the air as I lied down. I'm not going back. At least it's warmer. I have Miranda. She is humming a cheerful tune into the dreadful silence this place provides. I think I'll stop here and take another nap. Day 33. I bled from my eyes and ears today, and the humming silence is louder. I wrote with my blood. The king must hurry and provide. I have dreams of Jamie and Mark. Hospital is working out better than I am. I love the king. I miss him. I dream of an open door. I must ignore the hum and the fucking lights. Day 37. Today there were no boxes, and the snow was falling harder than before. I must continue so I will write later. I'm scared. I set up a quick camp and buried the traces in snow. I heard footsteps in the snow, loud as an earthquake. I must keep writing. The king is not pleased. I must keep running. Day 38. I've been running all day in small spurts. My backpack is gone, but my paper is with me. Miranda was controlling me directly. I was wrong to have listened to him at all. He is evil. I know that now, and I also know that I need to see him face to face. The snow is three feet deep. I'm going to make a foxhole and confront the king as he marches by. I will die. But Jamie is not there to keep me going anymore. Moonlight Sonata. Day 39. I fell asleep last night, or day, or whatever, and woke up to thundering. I wasn't scared. I had waited long enough. He was going to die, or I was. The buzz grew louder. 
I heard a squish and blood ran out of my ears like a crimson river. I saw him. He wasn't a thing. He wasn't solid or tangible. Pure energy. When he moved, the earth followed him. I wasn't supposed to see him. My eyes melt, and I didn't need to see him. His voice didn't need ears to be heard because it filled my mind and forced everything else out. Nothing existed but him. This was hell, or purgatory. I slumped to the ground, and my eardrums healed, and the king erased this diary. I should have listened. He's trying to save me. I'm trapped. I don't know where I am. I just woke up here. I don't think there's any way out. I haven't explored this place fully, because it seems to be never-ending. The walls are white and freezing to the touch, but not the air. There are icicles in the ceiling. I can touch them if I stand on my tiptoes. I tried ramming one into the ceiling for a good ten minutes before giving out. I have no food, no sense of time, and no escape plan. If there were any doors, they'd be perfectly camouflaged. I can't tell how far the room extends. I've walked for two hours today, and there was no end in sight. I'm already thirsty, and the ice off the walls is only enough to wet my lips. I'm going to sleep now. I have no idea where this blank book is with me, but I think I'll keep it with me to stay sane. Our next story of the night, Funland, by Darren Silvers, from creepypasta.fandom.com. Tewksbury, Massachusetts, in the mid-90s, was a great place to be a kid. Main Street alone was chock-full of kid-friendly activities. There was an enormous outside go-kart track with a huge arcade full of the best games from the 80s and 90s. I remember spending hours playing the alligator version of Whack-A-Mole. I loved the sound they made when you hit them. And then, just down the street, was Toontown. It wasn't anything special, just a typical 90s music store, but they had that cute little dog with the bandana who showed up in every commercial. Though I've long since forgotten the little guy's name, he was really cute, and whenever I'd go in to buy a new cassette tape, he'd be there to meet me at the door. Out of all the places I went to as a kid, Funland was by far the greatest. They had their own go-kart track, a small one for little kids, and a larger one for bigger kids. It wasn't as big or fancy as the one down the street, but it was still fun. There were batting cages, too. Lots of them. It even had a small arcade, mostly filled with pinball machines, Pac-Man, and the always popular Simpsons arcade game. You could never go wrong with that. But the best thing about Funland was the mini-golf course. It was the only one in the area at that time, and in the eyes of a ten-year-old kid, the place was huge. The iconic spaceship with the Funland logo sat in the center of the park. You could see it from the street, along with the giant giraffe statue that stared into the parking lot, smiling you down as you entered. There were other memorable statues, too, including a pink elephant and a large dollhouse that sat in the back corner, but the greatest part of the entire park was the 18th hole. On the outside, it just looked like a silly outhouse, but if you got a hole-in-one, not only did you get a free game, but the outhouse door would swing open and you could hear the sound of a toilet flushing, along with the hiss of the hydraulics that moved the animatronic inside. It was a funny-looking dog wearing overalls, with one strap hanging down off his shoulder, as if he just pulled them up. His eyes would blink, his jaw would move, and his arm would rise as he scolded you for disturbing him. Hey, what do you think you're doing? Get out of here! 
Then the door would close, and you and your friends would have a good laugh before you left. Every time I went there, I couldn't wait to see that dog. Like all things from childhood, the fun of Main Street slowly faded away. I think the go-kart track and arcade were the first to go, sitting abandoned for years before just being turned into a daycare center. They kept the track, though. I don't know why. So it just sat there in the back with one or two remaining go-karts frozen in time. Then Toontown went out of business, unable to keep up with bigger music chains like Newbury Comics and FYE. I imagine that cute little dog has to be dead by now. Last to go, of course, was Funland. It was painful to see it start to rot and decay in the last few years of its life. The paints on the animal statues faded, the eyes of the giraffe looking sadly out into the emptying parking lot as less and less visitors came to see it. When the park officially closed, I was heartbroken. I used to drive by on my way to work, watching it slowly rot away. The elephant eventually tipped over onto its side, the chain around its huge stump of a foot that had been keeping it lashed to the ground now visible and exposed. The doors and windows of the dollhouse were broken and shattered, as if it were a real abandoned house. The outhouse door remained closed, the wood cracking with age. I can only imagine what the poor animatronic dog inside looked like. Eventually, nature reclaimed the once thriving park, and I could no longer see into it. All that remained visible was the head of the giraffe, peeking over the rusted fence. Curiosity got the best of me, so I gathered my two friends Kevin and Zach one night, and we decided to break in and reminisce about our childhood. As we walked up to the high barbed wire top fence, I looked up at the giraffe. It was the first time I noticed just how creepy it looked. Its yellow coat of paint had almost completely faded, leaving only its brown spots and huge, almond-shaped black eyes. Continuing on, we snuck into the back of the park near the batting cages. Zack had brought a pair of garden shears, and he cut the fence open just enough for us to squeeze through. As I entered the park for the first time in what must have been over a decade, I looked around in complete awe. I was so excited. Everything was just how I remembered it. The go-karts were still on the tracks, the batting cages still had balls in them, but the arcade was all boarded up, and the mini-golf course was covered with trees, and was damp with overflow from the nearby swamp. I sighed saddened by the sight of what was once a happy and magical place from my childhood, but seeing it all again made my body shiver in excitement. So did the creepy feeling the old abandoned park gave off at night. I never really noticed it until then. We went through the course in order, starting at the first hole. There was nothing special, just the usual challenging mounds of fake grass, now moist with rain. The swamp hadn't touched that far yet. As we continued, we walked past the pink elephant, now a shade of ghostly white, he lay on his side, eyes staring vacantly out into the park, as if he had just expired. I ran my fingers over his massive head before moving on. The dollhouse was the next memorable thing we came across. It looked like a miniature haunted house. I half expected the broken doors and windows to be boarded up like the arcade was, but you could still see inside. The little pieces of furniture were all toppled over and spilled out on the ground. This was the part of the park where the swamp had begun to creep in. The smell wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I grew up in Tewksbury, which was covered with swamps, but we couldn't reach the entire back section unless we wanted to wade through the disgusting water. Our only choice was to head straight to the 18th hole. Finally, the part of the park I wanted to see the most, more than anything, I wanted to see that dog again. It was half nostalgia, 
and half an excited sort of fear of what it would look like. Was it even still there? Was it in good condition, preserved by the outhouse? Or was it like everything else in the park, sad and neglected after all this time? I couldn't wait to find out. Did you bring it? I asked Kevin. He nodded and handed me one of his dad's golf balls. I held it in my hand, sighing deeply as I ran my thumb over the grooves. I stepped up to the outhouse and peered underneath where I knew the hole would be. There was a sudden flash of light, temporarily blinding me. What the fuck, Zack? I yelled, blinking away the yellow-white spots in my eyes. I was just trying to help, he replied moodily. Let's just hurry up and get out of here. Yeah, added Kevin. This place is giving me the creeps. Not until I see him, I snapped. I'm sure I must have sounded crazy. I was talking about the dog as if it were a person. To me, he was more than just some sideshow attraction to be gawked at. He was a part of my childhood. It was like I was about to meet an old friend who I hadn't seen in ages. My friends didn't reply. Zack simply kept his flashlight pointed beneath the outhouse, and Kevin sighed in annoyance, tapping his foot impatiently. But now, we could all see it. The hole. The white tube in the ground that brought the golf balls back into the little hut outside the arcade. It was barely visible over the mound created by the fake turf, but it was there, and I had a clear shot. I placed the ball on the ground, and aiming carefully, rolled it towards the hole. We could hear the ball enter the pipe, the sound of it swirling down into the ground echoing in the silent park. Zack and I stepped back beside Kevin, the light now shining on the outhouse itself. I clenched my fist in anticipation, wishing with all my heart that it would somehow still work, that the door would open and the dog would still be there, and he would scold me like he always did. It was a stupid wish. We all jumped at the sudden sound of the once familiar flushing noise, now slightly distorted. When the doors began to open, the loud hiss of the hydraulics resonated through the night. We stood there breathless and silent. It worked. We actually made it work. After all these years, I'd finally be able to see him again. I was so happy that I could feel the sides of my mouth curl up into a magnificent smile as if I were a child opening a present. But the present wasn't what I was expecting at all. There he stood. My once familiar friend. My reward for getting a hole in one. But I could hardly recognize him. The fur that covered his metal frame was matted and wet, and his overalls hung loose around him like they would be on someone who'd lost a great deal of weight. My breath caught in my throat, which was now suddenly dry. I swallowed softly, eyes widening as they traveled up to the dog's face. It was a horrible, hideous sight. The fake fur on half of his head had torn away, exposing the wires and joint mechanism in his mechanical jaw. I didn't remember him having teeth. On the same side, his plastic eye had sprung from its socket and now remained dangling by his torn cheek. Then he blinked, the mechanism on the broken eye shuddering around the exposed wire, releasing small sparks. More sparks flew as his arms shot up with a clang, and the hinge of his jaw creaked as his mouth flopped open. He spoke. What do you think you're doing? The funny southern drawl of his voice was completely gone, replaced by something raspy and angry. Now, though I could hear the chilling distortion in his voice box, he sounded more human than I ever remembered. Kevin ran. He didn't even look back. Zack dropped his phone and slowly backed away, screaming as he stared into the dog's one good eye which seemed to turn on him in the disturbance. Then, somehow, the dog moved forward. He wasn't programmed to walk. 
As far as I knew, the hydraulics attached to his back only sat him up. He wasn't supposed to walk, but by God, I saw that once funny animatronic dog from my childhood step out of that old withered outhouse towards us. I stood there, frozen in fear, staring at it. Fuck this, I heard Zack utter before he too left me. Now I was alone. With him. I had spent so many years thinking about this very moment. I wasted countless hours thinking about this dog and wanting to see him one last time. But I knew then I never should have stepped foot into that old park. My childhood was dead, as broken as the wires and metal rods that barely held the dog together. He seemed to watch Zack go, his good eye turning with a cracking sound as he watched my friend disappear into the darkness. Then the eye turned on me. Get. Out. He commanded, his arms still pointing now in the direction of the parking lot where the headlights of Zack's car had just turned on. I didn't move. I could only stare. Was this some sick nightmare? Some bizarre fantasy my brain thought up to get my mind off a time I could no longer return to? The, the thing stepped closer, its disfigured face mere inches from my own. The smell of wet dog seemed to invade my nostrils. Get out of here! It boomed, the voice box short-circuiting as if it had exploded before slowly fading out. It sounded like multiple voices had spoken, all deep and aggressive, almost demonic. This time I listened and ran as fast as I could through the park, which was dimly lit by the headlights of the car. My eyes darted around, the once familiar area now seeming foreign and strange. I couldn't tell where I was going. I heard the sound of children laughing and the trumpeting call of an elephant and the clanging and grinding of metal gears. When I finally reached the fence, I tried sliding through the hole we came through, but I got stuck on something. I looked down to see if my jacket was caught, but it wasn't. Then I looked back. Staring right into my eyes was one of the white plastic eyeballs with painted on black pupils. My eyes widened, staring back into that black spot as if it were a hole ready to swallow me alive. Then I discovered the reason I was stuck. The hand of the animatronic dog was gripping the back of my collar. I remember thinking that the hand was supposed to be stuck in a pointing position. It didn't have any mechanical function to actually open and close. But then again, the dog wasn't supposed to be walking anyway. You shouldn't have come back, I heard it whisper, sending a chill up my spine. Then it released me with a shove and I fell through the opening of the fence. Scrambling to my feet, I ran to Zack's car, not once looking back as he sped off down Main Street. It's been five years since that night. I don't talk to Kevin or Zack much anymore, and we've never once spoken of the incident, not even in the car ride home. I never drove down that stretch of Main Street either, until today. It was late, and the road I usually take had a detour that led me right to it. What harm would driving by do anyway, I thought but I should have known. I tried not to look. I really did. But I just couldn't help sneaking a peek. I couldn't see much through all the rain, but I noticed the large four-leaf sign that now hung on the fence. The giraffe was gone, or perhaps it had fallen over and was hidden under the thick brush. With a sigh, I continued on, trying to push the memories of that night out of my mind and replace them with happy ones from my childhood. My windshield began to fog up from the indecisive New England weather, so I put my defroster on. And then I noticed something. Instead of clearing from the bottom up like it normally would, my windshield began to clear in patterns. It had formed words. I stared at them, hoping with all hope that it was just a fluke or a figment of my imagination. But the message was clear. Don't come back. 
when the police asked me what caused me to crash into the pole just outside the abandoned park. All I could do was wrap the blanket they gave me around myself as I stared back to the bushes and trees that concealed the location of the 18th hole. Dog was all I could tell them. It was that dog. Thank you for listening to the Tomb Creepypasta podcast. Good night.